Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Show did. Because we both to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. we go hey y'all this is april and this is caroline and, and we have a guest april oh my gosh two aprils two aprils one, number oh, one one cup number two yeah there's always it was we're always april number one and number two so let me introduce Which, april so it's april we went to school together one of my best friends we have the same ish birthday and the same middle name say yay wait y'all's birthdays are coming up then in a minute is it in april in april are you really for real? for real? Both of them are in April. She's the third, and I'm the fifth. It's <sighs> a lot. That's a lot to deal with during that month. So it's St. Patrick's Day, y'all. When we're recording this, and me and April have a tradition of going to drink green beer at oh. George's. So we're filming Ted Bundy first because it's her fave. And it's your fave. Yeah. <gasps> And her kids, yeah. and her and her husbands. Oh my gosh! I hope I do it justice. Um, also, can we tell them that we're, this is a video too? Yeah, our very first. I don't know if we, we're supposed to look at each other or I don't like know either. camera or if this is going to go anywhere like that people can watch. I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe this is just our practice. So we're videoing. That's true. So coming to y'all soon, you will be able to see Bloody Happy Hour on video. We'll tell y'all how to see that when we know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did you get some new um dudes? Hey dude. I did. Look how crusty and old mine are. They're old. Yours are looking real good. My br- these are new my brother gets them like almost half off, so he brought me two pair the other day. I need your brother to get me some. Twenty five dollars? What a deal. What's a deal? Well, what maybe deal? not half off, maybe forty percent. It's like thirty five. That's fine. I will deal with that. So Tell them what you're drinking. What's your St. Patty's Day drink? Okay, so I'm drinking um, some margarita stuff. So it's margarita mix and tequila. Your drink is green? Um, Yes, I don't want to get pinched. I am drinking Crown Royal Green Apple. Green Apple. And, but it's not green, but the bottle's green, so that counts. I mean, it's called Green Apple. Yeah, good enough. April, what are you drinking? Um, I'm basic. Oh, she's a basic beer in a green cup, though. That's that counts. Counts. That counts. Home Shack. I was so close. Thank you to Home Shack for our setup. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I'm probably pee on it here soon. (laughs) I'll get this cough or laugh. Which we found out that's exactly what your mom does. So (laughs) it's good stuff. It is what it is. Can you tell them? um, Wait, what you're watching? Oh, I've. I really haven't been watching anything except for Ted Bundy. Because oh. I've 
like been immersed in to him. You even thought he was following you one day. He was. He was. I, I mean, saw, I saw. Yeah, he literally. <laughs> if you didn't, if you don't follow us on Instagram, that's disappointing. You should start because there was a beige, brown, tan BW bug behind me two days ago. Clearly, that was Ted Bundy because that's Home what he drives. Shack. Home shack. Oh, there you go. Oh, thank you. Five minutes late. That's good. Um, <laughs> so I've been watching that, and that's really all. Did you watch the movie that the High School Musical boy played him, and he killed it? I, I watched it when it came out. Yeah, years ago. He killed it. I've mainly been doing like listening, watching like confession stuff, like his mm-hmm. confessions and his his interviews, like, yeah. and then like the books and. There's a couple of people who I've, uh, yeah, it's been a lot. April, are you binging anything right now? Um, I got nothing. Nothing? I don't, ha- I don't like to read. I'd rather somebody else just. Oh, I don't read, it. but no, what did watch? Binging on TV, watching. Oh. The worst roommate. The worst roommate. Oh my goodness, we did talk about that. I haven't watched it yet, but I heard about the grandma and I heard about the squatter. Listen, if you haven't watched it, it's a really quick series. Go and watch it. It's really good. You'll never get a roommate again. I immediately messaged Caroline, and I was like, do not get a roommate. I was like, you what? almost had a squatter-type situation. <laughs> you already had two bad roommates. I've had horrible roommates. <laughs> one was your husband. One was the other was just, I don't know. But who looks for roommates on Craigslist anymore? I don't, I don't know why anybody would look for anything on Craigslist, I, unless you're going to, like, Dark that, web, uh-huh. backdoor Craigslist where you're looking for prostitutes and drugs. Yeah. yeah. That would be the only thing I would think to look for on Craigslist. Yeah, that's it. I didn't, actually, I don't even think I knew it was still around. Well, but Same. this was a while back when Craigslist was the one of the only, I guess, onlyest of those like search ratchet. engines. Now we don't touch it. But back then, at one point, it was a big deal. Yeah. It was the only way to search for Actually, when I was trying to buy an ass or couch. Yeah. A couch that's been like peed on, peed on yeah. and like you know sexed on and all this stuff with the <laughs> but stains it's free. but it's free by the way my mom called me earlier this week did i tell you what she said she was trying to get me to go somewhere and i was like oh whatever and she's like all you do is sit at home and do puzzles and watch those murder shows in the dark in your dark house and i was like um First of all, my house is not dark, and I sometimes sit outside. <laughs> That's all I had to say. You stand corrected. <laughs> so, bitch, please. <laughs> I can't. That's funny. Okay. At least those are healthy things. I mean, I felt... Uh, You're I not doing cocaine. Like, I, I, I'm not telling you every single thing I do. Yeah. Like... While going no. to Blacksville. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. I am mouth watering for some Teddy. Wait, Ted, Ted, Ted. did you want to tell your one little last thing about your our newest listener? Oh, our newest youngest listener. I just found out our youngest listener. If you have, if you're a listener that's younger than fourteen, then you'll be our newest youngest listener. But my cousin called me today and said that his daughter Sophie loves true crime, wants to have a career as CSI investigator. And wanted to hear some True Crime podcasts. So now she thinks her cousin April is famous. So I'm shouting out to Sophie. 
And Sophie, get all your friends to subscribe and listen. Yeah, be a good role model. Yep. I suppose I still don't know where I'm supposed to look. Tell everybody don't trust anybody. This story about Ted Bundy will uh, emphasize that fact of don't trust anybody. Okay. Um, Even if they're good looking. Even, especially. And that's the worst because they're so unassuming. That's the first red flag. Yeah. Looking, red flag, something's wrong. White, male, good looking. And who did, who was my first husband? <laughs> Literally Ted Bundy. Literally, that's exactly how April described him. Let's, okay, so we're doing Ted Bundy. Okay. Um, I just have to start off with this clip. I can't resist it. Okay. Let's see. If it's I'm going to do the... I just wrote, I just said that the Hawkins girl's head was severed and taken up the road about 25 to 50 yards and buried in a location about 10 yards west of the road on a rocky hillside. Sheila, <laughs> how do you found the damage to the head? Okay. The jaw in particular. Probably. I'm going to play the rest of that clip in a little bit, but that's just... A little piece of Teddy. Is that why you used to whisper when we first started our podcast? No. What are you talking about, April? That's just how I talked. Okay. I'll bring it up when we get there. So this is this is a little pre, pre-game. During the summer and spring of 1974, police were in a panic. Women across colleges in Washington and Oregon were disappearing. At, I mean, crazy. They, they were just going missing. So there were a, a few leads, but in just six months, six women had been abducted. And it reached the high point when Janice Ott and Denise Naslin disappeared in broad daylight at a crowded, like, beach at Lake Sammamish. I love saying Lake Sammamish. These abductions would lead to the first real break in the case the day that Ott and Naslin vanished. Several other women remembered being approached by a man who tried and failed to lure them to his car. They told authorities about an attractive young man with his arm in a sling, that his vehicle was a brown or beige Volkswagen uh, Beetle, so a bug, and the name that they gave that he gave the women was Ted. So after releasing the description to the public, police were contacted by four people who identified the same Seattle resident as Ted Bundy. So he actually described himself to Ann Rule as the most cold-hearted son of a bitch you'll ever meet. Wow. So let's go back to his early life. Do you know much about his... So, you know, I've read the book, but it's been a long time. Um, I did a little bit of a touch up a couple, like when we knew we were going to do serial killers, but I haven't heard the whole story in a while. Do you know about his? It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I known about just surface, even when you first brought him up, because when you said I was married to Ted Bundy, I was like, oh, who's that? (laughs) This. Nobody else in the world would ever say that. 
So I knew, and then eventually like I knew some things, but when you dive deep and there's a lot, there's a lot about him. And this is why this is going to be at least a two part series because you can't, you can't leave stuff out. Can't skimp on Teddy. You can't. He's probably the most, okay, if he was compared to the Jack the Ripper. I think he's the most popular. Because of how he would go about getting them and how he would get so many people because they would just, they wouldn't be scared of him. He wasn't scary. Yeah. And I thought this, I was like, he didn't seem, I was like, he's not even that scary. But then when you go and you get in, like, know, know him, He's the scary. I mean, he's awful. Yeah. Horrible. Super scary. And okay. so he made people like used to that it would be like stranger danger, right? Or you yeah. know. But really it's not Cause like even because he's good looking. He's somebody that you would trust. Because cause they people knew to look like they knew that there was this guy out there who was hunting women and they knew not to be alone out at, at like at night. If especially if they're in college on campus and they knew and they knew they knew, but he was so unassuming and he was always, he would go to the younger ones who would like the, everybody was so polite. And if this guy is like walking around and he has a sling or he has crutches and he just needs help carrying a briefcase or a book, like you're like, Oh yeah, let me just help you. Mm-hmm. But would you help him? Not anymore. Don't help anybody. So early life. So he's good looking. He's extremely evil. Not dirty Chad. Don't get it twisted. But a close relative. (laughs) Ted Bundy. He was born Theodore Robert Cowell. November 24th, 1946. To Eleanor Louise Cowell. So she goes by Louise. And she was an unwed teen mom. Which was extremely shameful back in the day. And she was sent to the Elizabeth home, the Elizabeth Lund home for unwed mothers. So her fault, his father's identity has never been confirmed, but his birth certificate lists a guy named Lloyd Marshall as his dad. Now, Lloyd was like, nah, bro, he's not mine. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I ain't trying to do that. So then Louise was like, she claimed that she was seduced by some war veteran and that his name was Jack Worthington, okay, who apparently abandoned her after she became pregnant with Ted. So unfortunately, nobody, they were never able to confirm that Jack ever existed. And so once Louise had returned home from this like teen mom shame camp or whatever, that they had made an arrangement to where Ted was to be told that his grandparents were his parents and that his mom, Louise, was his older sister. Okay. Got all that? Yeah. So the grandparents told people in town that Ted was adopted from an orphanage because they needed a story to tell people. And there were also rumors that Ted might be fathered by Louise's own father, Samuel Cowell. So that would be some incest. So she's sister mama. Sister mom. Yes. Mm. Okay. So, but. What if you had a little bit penis like tiramisu. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like. A little pencil. Pencil remember? dick. Remember? Yeah. Ding, ding, 
ding, ding. Could be. So, but there's no, like, there's no evidence to support this. This is just what people assume or think or have come up with. So the first three years of his life, he lived in Philadelphia with his grandparents who raised him as their son. He eventually discovered the truth. And I've heard two different stories. I've heard that one of his cousins showed him a copy of his birth certificate, called him a bastard. They Mm -hmm. were like, oh, hey, this is what's really happening in your life. But according to the book with Anne's book, she said, which I'll tell you more about her in a little bit. She knew Ted Bundy personally. And she believed he didn't find out until 1969 whenever he located his birth record in Vermont. Mm. And, like, Ted had expressed, like, resentment towards his mom for never talking to him about his real father and for leaving him to find out the truth all by himself. So it's either one of those, like I said, multiple and it's crazy. One teen pregnancy was that big of a deal. Now we like watch it on show all yes, the time. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And it ha- like now we have daycares in high school so that these teen moms can come to school and their kids can go to daycare at the same school. Like it just happens all the time. But the fact that he found out he's a bastard and which is the term they used then. Yeah. And it was a big deal. Yeah. A big yeah. deal. Where yeah. now it's like half the kids don't have to you know yeah single moms all the time times are gonna change yeah so bundy spoke very well of his grandparents i mean he he according ann roll she says he identified with respected and clung to his grandfather and other family members however say that samuel cowell was not such a good guy do you want to know? Mm. He was described as, quote, a tyran- tyrannical bully, a bigot who hated blacks, Italians, Catholics, and Jews. He would beat his wife, the family dog, oh. and one he thing. would swing. <laughs> That's the one good characteristic he has. <laughs> he would swing, swing neighborhood cats, cats by their tails and throw <laughs> about dad when I heard that? Because oh, I was no. like, April's about to have a have a freak out whenever she hears about this cat. That's I probably mean, what drew her to Ted. <coughs> was that he would swing the cats by the, the tails? Yeah, it really wasn't the serial killer stuff. It was the cats. She was like, yep, you hate cats, I love you. Listen, we know April does not like cats, but that still doesn't mean you need to abuse them and swing them by their tails. Cats have lives too. Cats' oh. lives matter too, April. Oh, I, I didn't know. <laughs> so also what he did was he, um, he also threw Louise's, Ted's mom, Sister down the stairs um, before because she overslept. So he is real mad about everything. And he's real ratchet. And But Bundy described his grandmother as a timid, obedient woman. Which, I mean, if mm-hmm. she lives with that crazy ass, then, Gotta you know. Be. So apparently she periodically underwent electric shock therapy for her depression and she feared that like she feared to leave her house towards the end of her life so basically yeah what is it called she became an agoraphobic agoraphobic Uh you you have a fear of leaving the house 
Oh, shit. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. Oh, so you become puzzles. agoraphobic. That's what my mom's <laughs> trying to tell me. So in a in review, Ted was lied to about his entire parental situation. His grandpa was an abusive asshole and his grandma was slowly losing her mind and she was receiving electric shock treatment for depression. So it's going really well for yeah, him nice. so far. Yeah. Win-win so far. Yeah. So one fun fact about Ted Bundy's childhood is that uh, he did show a little bit of disturbing ba- behavior in his early age. Um, his aunt, Julia, woke up one one morning from a nap, and she, like, her bed was surrounded by knives. Do you <laughs> remember this? Uh-uh. It, like, he had placed a bunch of knives uh, either around her bed or on her bed or something like that, and he, like, she woke up, and she he was just standing there just, like, laughing. Wow. I don't know. He was only three years old. Apparently. Oh, my <laughs> I like, God. I don't know. I, I mean, did remember that he, something happened when he was three, and I was like, three? Yes. When he's three, first of all, why you have all these knives? Sigmund Freud says, everybody is born with the urge to kill, but when things happen to you at a young age, those urges come out more. Okay, so the clip that I'm going to play for you in just a minute with Anne Rule is she gives her, um, her kind of like, idea of what happened she thinks that i didn't in the i didn't read this or realize this but she thinks like that his mom left the the teen mom home or whatever left him there for a few months went back to live with the grandparents and then the grandparents were like you need to go back and get him because she was just going to leave him there so apparently he uh. was there for a few months without having like Oh, without good. being like held and without having that, and she she te- it's like a three minute clip, so she talks okay. about it, okay. which is was interesting. Those basic needs, yeah. Because you're thinking like when you're that young, like what is that? How does what does that do? But I guess if you're not swaddled, yes. Just, you know what? That's, That's why everybody maybe should breastfeed. That, but yeah, but do you need to have skin to skin when you're 37? Because I'm not having no skin to skin, April. So maybe that's yeah. But you got why. it when you were younger. Yeah, but now it's probably that's why you're a robot because you didn't remember you were kidnapped, so you yes, probably didn't get it either. Exactly. So it's all my mom's fault. <laughs> <laughs> she should have swaddled you when she kidnapped you. Listen, people don't be swaddling. So in 1950, Louise left Philadelphia with Ted. So she goes, she's with Ted, she has her baby. And then a year later, she meets Johnny Culpepper Bundy. Wait, she had to go back? She had another kid in the teen home? No, that was just side notes. Oh, okay, okay. So remember we talked about his, we talked about his grandparents and all the things he did and like the grandma's losing her mind. She's going to this treatment and now we're, we're fast forwarding to 1950. Okay. So this is whenever... She takes Ted, and they move to Philadelphia. They move there. She meets a guy, Johnny Culpepper Bundy. He's like a hospital cook, and they get married. Okay. And this is when he adopts Ted. He had no idea what he was going to He did not. So Johnny and Louise had four kids of their own, and he would try to include Ted in, like, all the things that they did, camping trips, family activities, but Ted was distant. He was like, I don't think so. He didn't like him because he didn't think he was smart, intelligent, yeah. and he didn't make much money. 
this will yeah, yeah, come yeah. up. Chance, uh-huh. So when he was in high school, Ted, he wasn't super popular, but he wasn't unpopular. He was just like average. Mm-hmm. Some of his former classmates said that he was like withdrawn, kind of awkward, but because he was like unable to understand interpersonal relationships. So he he was wanting to be somebody he wasn't. He didn't know how to like socialize with people very well. Um, he wasn't athletic, so he didn't have that. And he, I just think he didn't have enough, a lot in common. He wasn't number one in the class, so he wasn't the smartest. Um, he didn't go to the dances. He didn't go party. He wasn't like wild. He just didn't have a natural sense of how to develop friendships. Yeah. Um, Would you say all of our serial killers so far have that in common? None of them were naturally, like, social. Yeah, like, socially awkward? Yeah, they're very socially awkward. Which is interesting, because I just, I I didn't think, my preconceived idea of Ted Bundy wasn't this. In the beginning, but he develops, I think. Yeah, he does, because he learns how to fake it, Mm -hmm. because he becomes a con. So, he, this, he said, quote, I don't. I didn't know how to, I didn't know what made people want to be friends. So he didn't, he, I, mean, I don't know. He just yeah. didn't know. He didn't, he didn't know the underlay of social interactions. That's what he said. So apparently also to make matters worse, he had a speech impediment. Oh. He just had a little stutter, which he would occasionally be teased by his classmates. You know, we all have some speech impediments. fine. <laughs> Mine was mine wasn't mine was already gone by then. So in nineteen sixty seven he started at University of Washington. This is where he met Diane Edwards. Okay. So here's the thing about all these people. They have a lot of pseudonyms, fake names. Uh-huh. So in the oh, book yeah. in the book she's she goes by Stephanie Brooks. Brooks. She's all Stephanie. A lot of these people are referred to by different names. Like, I think another one I'm going to tell you has like three different names they're referred to Uh by because they didn't come out and reveal who they were. I mean, I think his other girlfriend who he was with for about six years, she just came out in her uh, in 2020. Yeah, and she's the one that had the revealing. Yeah, her daughter Molly. Yeah, and revealed about their stuff. So you might hear some different names, but. His very first one, I, Stephanie or I Diane? Stephanie. I call Stephanie uh-huh. Diane. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll I'll go by Stephanie because okay. that seems like that's the most known. Yeah. So Stephanie Brooks, she came from a wealthy political family. She had long dark hair parted down the middle. Mm. Mm. I tried to part my hair down the middle today just <laughs> for dead memory. Um, and Ted was obsessed with politics. Wealth, possessions, power, and overall status. Yes. Okay. He's a big Republican. Big Republican. He was all about image. He wanted to be perceived as someone who had status. And he knew he he couldn't measure up to, um, I guess, he couldn't measure up to what Stephanie was because she actually came from money Mm -hmm. and wealth. And he knew he couldn't provide her with buying her gifts and doing all these things for her, taking her to nice dinners because he didn't have the money. Yeah. 
but he had the smarts kind of behind it. So he, he, he couldn't give her like the material items that he thought she wanted, whether she wanted them or not. That's what he thought. Um, but he was completely like infatuated in love with her, everything. So she, cause she had all the qualities. She had beauty, she had wealth, she was smart and she was, had like a political family. So a couple of years, she was a couple of years older than him. They dated for a couple of years and then it was time for her to graduate and he still had years left. And so she was like, well, I actually have to move away. So Deuces. Bye. bye. And she broke up with him. And this was like a major hit to old Ted. So he, she said he lacked ambition and was immature. Yeah. So Ted was super depressed. He is devastated. And apparently this event was pivotal. It's like his stressor. Pivotal in his development. And he dropped out of University of Washington. He worked random minimum wage jobs. He volunteered on some presidential campaigns. And a few months later, okay, so he's going through this thing. It's awful. He, like, doesn't know what to do. But, like, he eventually, like, picks himself up. He, like, Mm -hmm. gets re-energized. He's refocused. And he's ready to go. He re-enrolls in the same school he just dropped out of. Okay. So he's so he's back at University of Washington, and now he's going to be a psychology major. Ooh. So he chose psychology for a reason. Mm -hmm. Hey, dumb. He's going so he can learn how to con and to manipulate people, and he was so focused on. I think at this point, he was he was wanting to. I think he was planning at this point to kind of aim things at Stephanie, towards Stephanie. That's kind like of some revenge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he, and in the past, whenever he was at school, like he wasn't a A student, he wasn't honor. Well, now he's an honor student. Like he's done really well. The professors and the teachers are like, oh, he's like, they would give him props, all these things. So he's doing good now, right? Yeah. He's doing good. So nineteen six. So that was nineteen sixty seven. All right, Stephanie comes. She goes. It's nineteen sixty nine. So this is whenever he's re-enrolled, and now he meets Liz Kendall. Second okay. one. Okay. She her real name is Elizabeth Clofer. Clofer. I don't know how to say it. She also goes by. Meg Anders and Beth Archer, or those are the names that have been used. These are so brand new names. So she's a single mother. She's from Utah. She has a three-year-old at the time. She worked at, as a secretary uh, at the University of Washington School of Medicine. And when they started dating, the daughter became like, Ted became a father figure for the daughter. And he was, and they had a six-year relationship. It's a very tumultuous relationship, <laughs> up and down. Lots of stuff happened in here. Yes. So she admitted in that Prime series that she was on that she became, okay, this is so interesting. She became very dependent on Ted. She said, 
I handed my life to Ted and said, here, take care of me. Like, she wanted to be taken care yeah. of, which I can yeah. relate. Yeah. She became more and more dependent on him. She said that they would be getting along one minute, and then the next minute, he's, like, slamming the door. Like, she would spend hours trying to figure out, what he, like, what did she do wrong she, when she did nothing wrong? And then he would suddenly, like, be warm and loving and give her attention, and that's what she wanted. She wanted and needed and craved mm-hmm. that attention from him. And even though it's almost like there's the bad times, but the good times always always override the yeah, bad times. Yeah. So you always go back to, oh, well, I did feel needed for and I felt cared for. And so let me just focus on that. Yeah. So 1974. So they've been dating for about five years. And she started to get suspicious of Ted. And this was mainly after she started seeing a few news reports. Um, There was some people getting murdered, some people getting raped. And two of these women were in the Seattle area. So apparently witnesses had mentioned the name Ted. And they mentioned Volkswagen Bug. And she said she kind of was like, oh, I think that. Sounds familiar. Yeah. But, April, love makes you do crazy things. Oh, God. So Liz was reluctant to believe that her boyfriend could be a cold-blooded killer. So 40 other women die. Listen, it wasn't 40 at that time. She She needed that skin to skin. According to her biography, she questioned Ted about some of his strange behaviors. For example... Once, okay, this is, apparently she found a bowl of women's, a bowl? I don't know. A bowl of women's underwear, a bunch of bandages, casts that he would wear. Yes. Pretended, pretending, when pretending to lure in his victims, a knife in his car, and that some nights he would have driven like hundreds of miles. Um, One night she said he drove to Colorado. He had said he drove to Colorado to de-stress. Mm-mm. Okay, so, but every time he used his intelligence and his charm to convince her that everything was normal, and she believed him. But then she finally, I don't know what the last straw was, she finally became so suspicious that she did go to the police. And we'll bring this back in a little bit whenever she started, whenever she, like, called a tip line. Remember the tip line, yeah. so I'll bring that up in a little bit. And she had tried to turn him in, but... At that time, there wasn't enough evidence on him. Like that, the stuff that she had at that time, it wasn't, it couldn't place him, yeah. you know, okay. the stuff. So, and, and it was like four years later, I'm kind of jumping back and forth, but like this is 1974, but then she says four years later in 1978, she remembered that he had called her from prison. Spoiler alert, if you don't know, he goes to she's starting from the end and going back to the beginning so (laughs) working back i know it just went with it so like he had admitted that he did try to kill her oh liz which i had no idea Uh she said that he called her he said i tried to kill you like he closed off the chimney in their house and lit the fire and that he would he would hope that the fire would slowly kill her like the 
poisonous fumes from the fire. But it's weird because he goes back and he says he didn't, anybody who he met that he knew longer than 20 minutes, he wouldn't try to kill somebody who he really got to know. Yeah. So, but at times he, his murder, like, the evil Ted would come out mm-hmm. of him because there was also another time, which Anne talks about in the book that Liz says he, they were like on a river or a lake and they're on a, like a little boat and he, and the, the boat flipped over or something. And he tried like put her head down underwater multiple times. And she was kind of like, what? And when she looked at him, she saw him was like, it just didn't look like him. His eyes like were black. Yeah, the eyes uh-huh. go black, and he had this weird look, and it wasn't him. And it was like you you were with Ted, Ted Bundy the murderer at that point, yeah. not with Ted, the Ted Bundy you knew. So it's that's so great. Like, what is that? That isn't something just to do with. the urge to want somebody to die is just crazy to me. But, like, even when people describe, like, your switch, uh-huh. like, what is, like, that's not, you're not. You don't get that because you're have like a weird um, childhood issue. I mean, you know, like what is that? I don't know. (sighs) So deep. So I know I've jumped a lot, but we were talking about Night 74 and I'm going to go back again to 1971. (laughs) Okay. But this is whenever Anne Rule worked with Ted. Yes. So Anne Rule is the author of the book. Amazing um, true. The Stranger author. Beside Me. And she worked at she she worked at Seattle Suicide Hotline Crisis Center. And also Ted Bundy worked there. So that's where they met. They met at the suicide hotline. Basically they would answer the phones for people who are wanting to commit suicide and talk them down from committing suicide. Mm-hmm. So Ted's trying to save lives. Mm-hmm. At the same time mm-hmm. he's killing people. But at se- in 71 he wasn't on his um tumultuous rampage. So in 74 y'all better put your get your notes yeah. out, get your pens out and get ready cuz 1974 is his year. Okay. That is whenever he goes and he goes beyond. However, there's other murders previous that aren't necessarily like they're not known to be like they're no. assumed or whatever. Okay. They're they think that he murdered this time and this time and this time, but they don't know for sure because he whenever he was confessing, never he never fully. really like he you had to pull it out of him. They yeah. had to they had to pull it out that's of him. That's what I didn't like about him. Yeah, that's why he was so annoying. But I'll give you more on that because I got so much. <laughs> so he met, met Anne Rule, worked alongside of her. And at the time, so she was an aspiring, um, she had used, she previously worked as a police officer for Seattle. I did not know that she was a police officer. And then she was an aspiring uh, crime writer, which. Obviously, she wrote several amazing books. And this book that she wrote was the like a biography on Ted Bundy. And so what's interesting is that she said she never saw any disturbing things out of him. She didn't ever... She described him as kind and compassionate and empathetic and that their job is just what it sounds like. It is to talk people down from committing suicide and he was really good at it really good at it really good at it and they're so good with their mouths 
No words. Yeah, girl. <laughs> but she actually ended up becoming like close friends with him. They would go out to lunch. They would hang out like after work, outside of work. And even, they even kept in touch like years down the road, even after the murders and stuff. Because I think she was so shocked. She had, I mean, she just didn't see it, didn't expect it. It just, she was like, there's no way that this, my friend did all these horrible things to these people. You know, that's, a, that's my dream. I'm actually jealous of Annual. Oh, well, yeah. I mean. I just wish somebody I knew was close to would be a serial killer and they would only talk to me. And then I'm the one that has to write a book because I got all the info. I, that I'm not surprised. <laughs> I think. Can, well, maybe hey, one all day. All my friends, one of you. <laughs> don't kill anybody I know. Could I, am I the closest one to the craziest <laughs> person? You're on the, my top five <laughs> possibles. So this is another really strange thing, and I'm about to play this clip. But he would even walk her out to the car at nights, at night, like after work, and he would be like, "Hey, make sure you lock your doors." We don't want anything to happen to you and like just would kind of take care of her and like watch out for her. And she was like, well, why didn't he want to ever do anything to me? (laughs) She's a big girl though. Wouldn't she? Oh, she talks about it because it's, it's like, I would probably been like that. Why didn't he kill me? He had a certain type and, um, she didn't, she didn't fit the type of the people that he went after. Got it. Because they were young college co-eds with dark hair with the part down the middle. Well. So. This is. And then let's play this. And then we can take a break. Just for safety's sake, for a long time. When you wrote the book, Stranger Beside Me, about Ted Bundy, um, use your own name, obviously. I did, yeah. Okay. Just the fact that this is a guy, as you mentioned earlier, that treated you very well. Yes. Liked you. Was protected. Uh, protected I, th- I think so. You know, he had, um, his victims had to be someone he didn't know. He told Bob Keppel, the, the detective, the detective, the yeah, detective. once that um, if he talked to them, a woman, for more than 20 minutes, then she was no good as a victim because he, victims had to just be objects. He didn't want to have any emotional connection. Um, so I probably was as safe as in my mother's arms. Also, he liked slender co-eds with long dark hair parted in the middle. Well, I haven't been slender since I was four. <laughs> and, and I have red hair, which is slowly t- turning to silver. Um, so he, I think he liked me, but I think he also used me. He certainly did later on. He wanted to use me as a conduit to the TED task force up here. Because he didn't want to talk to them directly, but he wanted to send messages. Did you ever figure this guy out? Uh, I think, this is what I think. I think Ted was a child of incest. I think his grandfather, who had a a maniacal temper, 
was really his father. There have been a couple of, of men's names bandied around as having been his father, but his mother didn't date anybody. And when she went to the Elizabeth Lund Home for Unwed Mothers in Vermont, uh, the minister's wife took her. Um, so say he was a child of incest, then those traits, that predisposition to violence, would explode exponentially. Um, and uh, he was left at the home for unwed mothers for four months. And, and babies know, even that young, that they're not wanted. They really, they, they fail to attach. They really need to be cuddled, and I carried mine around all the time. Um, so there was that. Then she married uh, Johnny Bundy, and he didn't seem to like his stepfather, and he had four half-siblings. Um, so I think it was a, a number of things. He may have been molested as a child. Um, I don't know, but the only time I saw him behave strangely was he'd get so jealous if his girlfriend, if he thought his girlfriend was dating someone else. Mm -hmm. Then when he talked about it, the sweat would just beat up on his face and, and he'd get that expression. Um, but he had good in him too, but it was far overpowered by this addiction, and I call it an addiction to murder. Wow. How about that? She nailed him. Nailed him. After graduating from University of Washington in 1972, he threw himself into politics. He was, this is crazy, he was appointed to the Seattle Crime Prevention Advisory Committee. It's not safe to do that with Ted Bundy. He was eventually hired as an Crime assistant prevention. to this guy called, named called Ross Davis, which this guy was part of the Washington State Republican Party. Um, and this Davis described Ted as like smart and aggressive and he was a believer in the system and blah, blah, blah. And then in early 73, Ted was accepted into Seattle University Law School and University of Utah. Yeah. And there's, a, there's also this Puget Sounds School that I hear. I don't, there's a lot of law schools. I think schools. Utah and this. Yeah, yeah. One were the biggest. So what happened was his LSAT scores were not like high enough for him to get into this these law schools, but he had like recommendation letters from these political people who mm. were like, like high you know. Yeah. Who were like high society. And so even though he was like embarrassed and, and like upset with himself. He was, like, real mad at himself for not being able to get in. He was able to get in by way of these um, letters and stuff. So um, he'd been working for several university psychology professors. And then, like, later in the summer, he ended up taking a trip to California 
for Republican Party stuff. And this is whenever he happened to rekindle his relationship with Stephanie Brooks. So he's been dating Liz for five or so years at this point. Remember, Stephanie dumped him years Mm -hmm. ago because he was immature. and He's had a chip on his shoulder ever since. He's had a chip on his shoulder ever since. But this now was a total, what I call a total TT. Not, which, what is TT, April? I don't know. Total transformation. transformation. Yeah. This (laughs) is a TED transformation. Okay. Because now he's graduated from college. He's working in politics. He's in law school. He looks like a serious, dedicated professional. He's proven himself to her. Stephanie is all about this Ted life. Uh, Get it? Yeah. So he's just like, oh, like, look at me, look at me. And then they start to rekindle their relationship. And so a lot of people think that, like, this is, that motivated him to do all that. Like, that rejection from her and that this was like part of his plot are you getting to that like yes yeah okay it, it was okay because he he's looking like he's a serious dedicated professional guy he's on the road he's gonna either have a like really good law career or he's gonna be uh have a, a political career he's gonna be a governor he's gonna be something yeah so yes he's still dating liz neither one of them know about each other Okay, so I'm going to stop giving dates, but (laughs) fall of 1973, he flew into Seattle several times to go hang out with Stephanie, and they actually discussed marriage, and he even introduced her to some of his political friends as his fiance. Okay. So... Let's go with this date, January 1974. 1974, this is the year. This uh-huh. is his year. His year. This is his year. He officially, so he's telling people he's engaged to Stephanie. He's telling his political friends, whatever. She's, they're like really hitting it off. She lo- She's like, oh my gosh, Ted's changed. I'm all about Ted. Let's go. Well, he ghosts her. Ghosted. So did he ever... For a month. No calls, no letters, okay. ghosted. She's like, what the heck? What's going on? Haven't talked to him. He's not answering my phone calls. He's gone. Okay. No explanation. Finally, they get a hold of each other. And he, she's like, what's going... Like, where are you? Why have you not answered my calls? And he basically is like, Stephanie, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> and hung up. Because he wanted to prove to himself that he could get her again. And then he wanted to do to her what she did to him. And leave her. And leave her. So he, that's, and that's, that's what he said. Did he, did you, did it read that he ever actually proposed and let her say yes and then ghosted? I didn't, I okay. didn't know Okay, okay. I've, I heard, I listened to a podcast a while back and I remember that he did all this to propose for her to say yes and then, Well, bitch. it's, I mean, he, it, still which, same revenge. But like he, he would introduce her as yeah. fiance, so I would assume he yeah. had to have proposed 
proposed. But then all of a sudden, I guess that's probably right. Like once she said yes, then he was like, oh, I got her. I hooked her. Like now I'm going to just bounce on her. Yeah. Like he just wanted to prove to himself that he could, that he could have married her, Mm -hmm. that he could have been with her. And like later, Stephanie had, she had said that like, she thought she's like, he deliberately did this as like vengeance to get back for whenever I broke up with him. And, you know, after, after that is when he started like skipping class and not going to class mm-hmm. and basically just stopped attending class altogether. He really didn't want to be a lawyer. He just did it for at her. At this point, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I so think he just did it to prove so to her. So at this point, that's whenever all these women started to disappear. How about that? So we're in 1974. And I have some notes because I... In... Okay, this is what we know. In 74, he killed several people. And he may have killed... Some people in 72 may have killed some people in 73. But in this year, which I'm about to go through, he launched himself into unrelenting murder that he was never coming back from. And he was okay with that. Okay. So I, I did read another book or I've listened to another book. Um, I think it's just the Ted Bundy murders. Keith Sullivan, maybe was his name. Kevin Sullivan. I can't remember. Um, and he gave a really good, like, description of Ted. Um, like, so at this point, he knew that he was, I'm, I'm quoting him. He knew that even though he was a law student, that he would never become a lawyer. He was never going to get married. He was never going to have kids. And he was going to continue murdering. Like, that. that's mm-hmm. where he was. He knew that he would keep doing it until he was captured or killed. Okay. Okay. So we're in 1974. He dumped Stephanie. She's gone. He's Ted's 27 years old. Some people actually believe that he started murdering in his teens, which he never actually admitted to um, because he considered whenever he murdered, he considered them his. Mm. And he didn't want to share. Didn't want to share. And yeah, this was this was his this was his thing. They had to detectives and law enforcement had to really pull it out of him. He wasn't forthcoming. And like I said, in some of his interviews, which I played earlier, he would do the Joe Biden whisper talk. <laughs> what does that do? That's so silly. The kids do that. Well, uh, they do. Yeah. Like right now. Yes. Like if they something happened and. You're asking them what happened, and they don't really want you to know. They're kind of ashamed. They'll talk real low. That's that's what yeah. it, yes. They're like, well, what really happened was. It's like, it's like that, that's what he, that's what a lot of people have said. He's, he's so ashamed that he doesn't want to talk about it. He, a lot of times in these interviews with detectives, he would even, they figured out how to get stuff out of him by referring to him in the third person. They would go to him and they would say, okay, if you, because they realized he was kind of boyish, and they would say, like, if I was, if you were Ted Bundy, I'd be like, hey, um, if you were the kid. April, if you were to do this, how would you do it? Yeah. And then he would say, 
well, if I was that person, I would have done this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And that's when he really, like, apparently kind of started really talking. Yeah, yeah. So he did these whisper, whisper talks. He would admit to some of the things he did. And then um, this is, this is like, Liz was getting suspicious all these times. Okay, so this is the big, this is the first one, January 4th. He entered the apartment of Karen Sparks. Karen Sparks, 18 years old, student at University of Washington. He snuck into her room while she was sleeping. She woke up to him beating her with a metal rod from her own bed frame. Listen, this gets intense. She was assaulted, sexually assaulted with her own bed rod. So he took a rod from her bed, and that's what he used to assault her. He, not only did he beat her with it, he used it, and he shoved it in her. Oh, wow. Okay. He, uh, she, she had internal injuries. She was unconscious for 10 days, but she survived. Okay. Okay. I didn't know this till I did this. The extent of her injuries resulted in permanent brain damage. She had significant loss to vision, hearing, and the words that she said, this is this is how she described what happened. He came into my room, took a bed frame off of my bed, smashed my skull, and he probably used the same bed frame and smashed it into my vagina and into my bladder. My bladder was totally split. She said that he... She said that it took nearly 20 hours for her roommate to discover her. And she said, Bob thought I was still sleeping. It was horrible for him to find me that way. Who's Bob? Bob's her roommate. Oh. She said, quote, I have a horrible ringing in my ears and it's constant. So she's still alive. She's still, she's, she was on the Prime series, I think she was interviewed. And she can still talk. I mean, she can still talk coherent. She has, ep- like, epilepsy now. Mm. But, like, I mean, sh- she's, like, scarred. Yeah. Like, almost, like, I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. Awful. So, from there, we have, that was January 4th. And then we're on fe- February 1st. Okay. Linda Ann Healy, 21 years old from Seattle. Ted Bundy broke into her basement, uh, basement apartment room and she was also an undergraduate at university of washington she was a broad oh my gosh she's a morning broadcaster like a, at a radio station oh. so she would always get up early go to work she never you know we get up early go to camp you don't make your bed you just go and then yeah. you come back and then later you'll do that stuff so she would do like the morning weather reports for skiers so we broke into her room she had four other roommates four of the roommates and th- this was whenever it was like The walls are paper thin. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you not hear anything? He used a crowbar, beat her unconscious. This is one that's one of the big ones. He, she starts bleeding. He takes off her nightgown that she's wearing, puts it in the closet, makes up her bed, and dresses, like dresses her redresses her Mm -hmm. in jeans a white shirt and boots and then carries her out the window 
either the window or the st- whatever is close yeah. to the stairs. And then when she no-showed at work is whenever they're like, oh, gosh, like, where is she? Yeah. And then and then that – so he she no-shows at work. They – call the house, call the roommates. The roommates go into her room. They don't notice anything because they're like, well, I mean, her bed's made. Like, it looks fine. Like, I don't notice anything. And then they finally, when the when they call, they call the police because they hadn't seen her in days. The police come. They open the bed. And that's when they notice the blood. All the blood. Yeah. Soak sheets, the blood. I mean, everything. Wow. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Eventually, her body actually her body was never found. Her skull was found. And in what would be later known as Bundy's graveyard, which was Taylor Mountain, which yes. was the Taylor Mountain skeletons. Oh, man. And that's where we have to go to part. This is actually yeah. not going to be part two, but... Maybe put it in there just in case. Last thing, if y'all go listen to... Generation Y podcast. Uh-huh. There's an interview with one of the guys. I think his name's Keith Sullivan, which I'm going to quote him a lot more next time. Uh-huh. It He wrote two books about him, Ted Bundy. Wow. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's so interesting. I'm going to go into it more, but. Wow. This could be whatever. So, two, yeah, listen. You got to have your patience with Ted because he is so much. So you got his whole background and it makes you understand like why they do what they do, who they choose to kill, why they kill, how they kill. Like you can't skip over that. So your mouth is watering. Don't go watch anything. Don't go listen to another podcast. Don't because we're doing a deep dive. Yeah. Listen, if this is if if there's any one episode to listen to, it's going to be this one because I'm deep. I'm deep. She's, <laughs> She's deep. deep diving. You know what happens? I'm, like married to basically him, so I'm trying <laughs> to figure it all out. You know what happens when Caroline reads a book? Okay, y'all. Um, April, you gonna be back with us for part two? I will. She all right. She's got she some Ted. She's gonna start it. You gotta finish it. Okay. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Don't forget to rate, later. review, and subscribe. Yes. Everything: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Apple, Spotify, everywhere. Never forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye, y'all. See you next week. Bye. has been a Rogue Media Podcast.